yeah, knowing what I did on that day helps me in everyday life now going forward. Because if I think and I'm too lazy to, you know, pick some up or move something, think, you know, look what I did on that day. Why am I being like this now? I can do this. Well, I can take on another challenge, no worries, because of what I've done. That was Josh Howe, and welcome back to another edition of the Harris Health and Mind podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Harris Health and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Reese Harris. Today's guest is Josh Howe. Very grateful Josh could come on. Been a couple of months of us missing each other, so um, glad we can finally uh, get on and discuss um, some bits today. So very, very thankful to Josh for that. But first, when was the last time you really came out of your comfort zone? Really pushed yourself to do something that you thought was very, very difficult to achieve? It can even be things that may tick past trauma. It can be things that are very difficult spiritually to you, physically, mentally, or psychologically. This person, Josh, is definitely someone who can vouch for all of those boxes within the training that he completed. He can now call himself an Ironman finisher. For those of you who don't know what an Ironman consists of, it consists of a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile cycle, and a 26.2 mile run. As you can tell, that's a lot, a lot of training that Josh had to do. So we'll speak about in the podcast, his training, but also the effects that has on an individual in all of those aspects. I hope you enjoy and stay tuned for more. Peace. So initially, a few years back, I was got really into cycling and was enjoying that a lot, commuting to work, doing some running also. And then the idea came upon me that I should perhaps give the triathlon a go. So I decided to, instead of starting off with a small one, just go straight to a half Ironman distance. Mm. So that comprises of a yeah, 1.9k swim, 90k bike, and then a full half marathon, 21.1 off the bike. And the idea of just running off the bike was something that was quite new to me. It's um, something, you know, a lot of people go up for a bike ride, but then the thought of jumping straight off the bike and going running is it's quite something to kind of grasp and get a hold of. But yeah, definitely got a, got a hold of it. I signed up for my first half Ironman, which is going to be in Lake Taupo in New Zealand. But uh, we went down and because of the weather situation, the... There was so much sun and not much wind, and they got this algae situation, so they called the swim off. And it was okay. very unfortunate because I wanted to do my first triathlon, not just a duathlon. With two, yeah. Parts. So I decided, yeah, be in December, um, rather than just doing a duathlon, and that's the option I went with. So. Training continued. I yeah, went through our Christmas, New Year period, our summer period, and eventually took part in my first half Ironman. And my eventual time with that was 5 hours 32. So I was very happy with that for my first go. Smashed it by and the sounds of it. What what led you to was it after you did the the seventy point three was that what prompted you to go okay right now I I can take on the big one or did definitely, you already have that in your mind? No, I think you know you do have to start somewhere, and uh, training for a full one is even just grasping it mentally is is one thing, but certainly after you've had a successful half, I thought the logical next step is to do it, and uh, there was certainly a time immediately after where I was still in limbo as to whether I'd do it but then 
a short time later, I just decided to take it on, registered, and then thought, yep, let's, let's do it, let's commit, and spend a good chunk of my life going yeah. forward, ready for the for the big one. So just just talk about uh, the big one itself, because I've got, I've got a few stats here, and um, according to Quora 2015, um, the first Ironman was held in 1978 with 15 competitors. Today, around 50,000 people finish uh, each race each year. 25 four Ironman races each year, depending on how you estimate the growth trajectory since the effect of 1982, since the finishes, including repeats around somewhere with 70, 700,000 finishers estimated of the world's population is around 0.01% of finishers in the world's population that finish an Ironman. So you're part of that 0.01%. And we'll speak about later why you're definitely in a lower, lower percentage of finishers um, that compete in Ironman over the world's population. But that in itself is uh, is a huge task. And um, just sort of speak about uh, the full Ironman as well, because uh, what, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile uh, cycle, and then a full marathon straight off the bike. So talk about the um, the mental, like you spoke about, the mental side of the training, um, from the switch from the 70.3 into the full, and also what you sort of gained from the training um, yourself personally, either physically and mentally as well. Yeah, I'd run a few marathons prior to committing to Ironman, and even just running a marathon is a, running it and not stopping is a big challenge so the thought of having to do that at the end of the other two parts is scary and I never once did it in training didn't even really get close so it was all very unknown leading towards a big day but yes yeah, certainly a lot of massive days took place uh, it was definitely a focus in my life it was kind of work eat train a lot and sleep and when i mean sleep it was i was often asleep by about quarter to nine and completely out to it and you know get up and i definitely have some rest days throughout uh, like usually about once a week or so sometimes none uh out there by yourself you take what you need i mean sure the volunteers help you in transition but the rest of it it's up to you and was there a um, a part of any one of the three um, that you was dreading the most? The swim for me was not my favourite, but I definitely developed a bit of a love for it. And saying that too, there was certainly tough times where you feel like just going straight home after work, but instead you'd go down to the pool and grind out a big session of, let's say, 30, 40 laps of the big pool, 50 metre pool. Yeah. And those sessions were tough but it really gives you the strength mentally to know that if you've done the big distances in training then you should be able to make it happen on the big day yeah and and are you well accustomed to open water swimming as well because talk about the the transition i guess between going and doing maybe the full length in a pool to then obviously then going out and doing it in the open water and then maybe with a few people around as well how does that differ between a pool swim to the open, even things like sighting as well. Yeah, so much different. The Ironman that I was taking place in was in a lake, so it's a freshwater lake, so you don't get the same buoyancy that you would with seawater swimming. And certainly, yeah, going from being in a pool where you can see the bottom, you can see the line, it's easy. Whereas out when you get even the breath of wind out in the lake, 
Uh, most lakes you can't see the bottom in. It's all kind of very different. But again, it's, it's something that you just have to adapt to. And you know, you'd, I'd go out there by myself, have the whole lake to myself. I'm fortunate to live in a beautiful place where you don't even often experience other lake users. Yeah. And I'd yeah, go and you know, swim to the back of the lake, swim back, and it, it's actually a, a really nice experience when you start to find a love for it. Mm. But it is tough. Well, how how long would you say it takes for the um, the sighting and things like that to uh, to get better from doing more open water swims to like you speak of? Obviously, in the pool you can see the lines, um, whereas in in a lake, depending on where you swim as well, it, it's going to be darker. Um, the sighting's not going to be as visible. Um, so, how long would you say it takes in terms of a few open water swims to get used to the sighting? definitely weeks to months to get yeah. comfortable with it the first few times i went swimming in the lake just felt completely uncomfortable it's it's all very you know you're out there you're out of your depth it's not the most comfortable situation to be in but the wetsuit definitely helps a little bit with buoyancy and knowing that if you get tired you can just flip on your back and swim to the shore then that's okay but certainly yeah it takes time uh, there's so many different techniques too. Some people swim every three or breathe every three strokes. I breathed, breathed, took breaths every second stroke, so I was swimming, turning just to one side. Some people do it every one stroke, but it's all personal preference. But yeah, just getting comfortable and doing it more often was the only thing that helped with that. Yeah, and you speak of uh, obviously your technique within the strokes and stuff on the day itself from the race. Did you find that um, after a while when you got tired, did your technique change or did you manage to keep every two or did you then go to every one or every three? Yeah, just speak about that a little bit. I kept the same technique. So, yes, yeah. two strokes breath and that was what's comfortable for me. Some people like to switch sides. I liked it just on one side and that was my thing. But certainly on yeah, on the event day, you're, you're with about a thousand plus other people so it's it's very different to swimming by yourself in the lake or swimming even with a couple of people in the pool you've got yeah it is a bit of a kind of tussle and you have to be expectant and understand that that's what's going to happen but it's okay so long as you're comfortable with that yeah I was listening to um, Rich Rowe and, and Chris Huff, who's a um, uh, Ironman coach and or a triathlete coach, and he was speaking about the swim and and the start as well. If you've never done one before, in terms of the amount of people kicking you or grabbing your leg or feeling like they're grabbing your legs, so getting used to that feeling as well. Was there anything that you replicated to, you know, get comfortable, or get used to that? Did you take any friends out and sort of try and get them to swim next to you or close to you, or was it just a case of let me just see on the day and just get comfortable while I'm in it then. I would have loved to have had more people to go and swim with and yeah. learn off, but no, it's not not the case. Most people can't even really grasp the distance, distances, let alone want to actually accompany you for training. So it's a very, well, for me, it was kind of a bit more isolated, but that's okay, you know, because if, if you can do it yourself, then you'll be okay. If you have to rely on other people to feel comfortable, then you're not going to be okay when the time when the going gets tough of course how did you um yeah sorry how did did you find the um the the swim on the day was it did you find that there was lots of people uh stopping um i guess can people use um just floating techniques and then carry on the swim if they're if they're tired or 
Is there anything there that can... It is self-seeding. Okay. So you want to, if you're a confident swimmer, you'll go right up to the front. Uh, I would consider myself a decently confident swimmer, but certainly not one of the faster ones. So I got fairly close to the front, and it worked all right. But, yeah, you do get people swinging their arms over and landing on your legs, and a couple of times that's okay. It does get annoying for sure, and it does tire you out quicker because you're used to just swimming and pulling your own body along without having to try and fend off other people. But certainly, yeah, I would not recommend stopping. You want to keep the flow moving. Stopping would just create a bit of a problem, really, so you want to keep moving, and then that way you're out of the swim quicker too. Yeah. I was going to say, for the uh, for the Ironman, what was your swim? Was it one hour? Thir- was it one hour 30? I've got my times here, actually. One moment. My time was... 11913 1913 so I was hoping to do about 125 and um, it worked a, a lot better really well so did you um, did you feel from the swim because you kept going did you feel like you managed to uh, grasp a, a bit of the waves from other swimmers as well to help take you along certainly swimming on people's feet is helpful it's like drafting on the bike which you don't do but if you you know training and drafting on the bike then it is a benefit and that's just one of the things of Ironman you do benefit by everyone moving in the same direction so it definitely would have helped yeah yeah excellent and let's just sort of get into i guess the crux of it and um a massive feat you've done 70.3 and and you've completed an iron man just just sort of talk about um why you wanted to complete an iron man and sort of uh, the half iron man as well and what what was sort of your motivation and uh, and your goal as well i know you're from your YouTube channel, you're a massive advocate of, of certain things. So uh, I guess we can sort of get into that now, which would be, yeah, which would be good. Yeah, awesome. The main reason for me to do it was to promote being a vegan and showing that you can absolutely thrive living this way. And there's nothing really that you can will stop you in your tracks. If you've committed to a challenge and you want to take it on, then living this way is not going to hinder you in any way. No, for sure. Um, throughout the training, did you have a, a particular schedule you followed? Was there a plan that you saw online? Um, any coaches or friends, previous friends that may have done one previously? Or I did know of a couple of people that had done it, but yeah, it was just a challenge that I thought, you know, it's one thing that people really admire, and that's something that people definitely take seriously when you say, "I've done it," and then in that time too, uh, just helps in backing up that. It's a good lifestyle choice. Yeah. Uh, so just talk about, um, again, sort of the training and the elements of, again, um, living a vegan lifestyle in terms of uh, you going out and doing a, you know, a four-hour bike ride and maybe a brickwork run straight after, um, probably burning two, three calorie, uh, 3,000 calories just from that workout. Talk about, again, the nutrition side of it and, and again, the vegan lifestyle and how easily that can be implemented um, as most people will probably think, or oh, 4,000 calories, I definitely, you know, you definitely won't be able to do that on a vegan lifestyle. So sort of speak on that as well. Yeah, definitely. Your body definitely adapts and uh, certainly gets more efficient in its energy use. And for me, I try and eat a lot of fruit, usually fruit only for breakfast and lunch. And for most training rides, it was the case too. Bananas and dates were the things that I would take often because dates are just nice and small. They're easy to eat and they're nice and simple to carry. And bananas are simple too, you know, it's all very easy, uh, filling, calorie dense. 
And then for dinners, I would have big dinners of, um, you know, big bits of, uh, big bowls of rice, potatoes, veggies, steamed veggies, all just very simple, basically, but kind of low-fat, high-carbohydrate, and just more whole foods as possible. Yeah. What What was it like, um, you, you speak about obviously having lots of fruit, was it difficult um, if you was in particular environments, let's say you, you had a workout in the morning, and then you, you, you took, you know, fruit for lunch and stuff was it difficult in some environments if you was having obviously a lot of fruit was you finding that you get particular looks from people you know someone watching you eat and you've got tons and tons of fruit you sort of they're looking at you like oh, oh definitely okay. yeah I've getting a lot of looks without a doubt but that's okay I'm, I'm all right with it if they want to ask questions I'm more than happy to answer them for them yeah it's nature's fast food and it, it helps you in training it also helps in digestion because it's very simple it means that you can go and train in the afternoon. You don't have that heavy feeling in your stomach. And you can go out and do hard sessions, which is great. Yeah. And for for race day, what was your nutrition um, for the race day in terms of fluids? Um, again, sort of food. Did you use any gels, any supplements? That type of thing. The only supplement that I do take is B12 on a regular basis, but for the big day, there was no extra ones. I wanted to do it as natural as possible. On race day, I had dates beforehand with some water for breakfast. I took 20 dates on the bike and had water as well. No electrolyte, no nothing else, just water and fruit. And then for the marathon, the run at the end, I had six gels. They're the Ironman branded gels that are vegan also. So it's just simple, easy to digest. And that was like trying to eat while running is a little bit tricky, especially when you're in that fatigue stage. So having the gels at that stage is just a bit more simple. But yeah, very, very basic, really. There's a lot of talk of having to have electrolyte and all these other things. But, you know, I did it with the proof that you don't need all the special supplements and all that. No caffeine as well, by the way. I must say that. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a... Uh... <laughs> There's a lot of people I've heard have the, the caffeine shots as well, especially before the swim, which must play havoc after the ride as well, I think, leading into the run. What um, yeah. what, what was your uh, – did you have a, a meal of choice once you finished the Ironman? Was there a particular meal that you was craving for months after training or was it just, you know, just a standard meal that you had after? Did you celebrate? What was it like afterwards? I think the first thing I had was pizza, and yeah, I was definitely looking forward to it because prior, or the week leading in, I went super clean, no salt, no oil, just very, very simple. It was kind of, you know, just steamed potatoes, rice, a little bit of sauce, but yeah, very clean. So it was it was a treat for sure. Yeah. Looking forward to a meal after that. Just just uh, sort of touch back on that, to be fair. What, what was your thinking behind sort of no salt? not oils, uh, the week leading up to the race as well. If you can go into a little bit of detail on that, I'm quite interested on that. Definitely. So oil just thickens your blood and it makes it harder for your body to get the best out of itself. And in regards to salt, salt just increases the water retention in your body, so it adds more weight and you don't need it as such. You know, Like they say that you do need to replace some salts. Perhaps that's true on the day, but leading into it, it was... I got my weight down a few kilos, but still maintained the strength, and that's by cutting out those two things, just going for clean fuel. Mm. 
And I guess like you spoke about earlier, it's that your body becomes a habit after a while. So if you've been training um, all the time with your bananas and your dates and your routine's been trained constantly for months on end, your body gets used to that habit. And on race day, it's not any different. Where I guess if you had to switch up on race day and you had uh, packs of gels and uh, sweets to get you around or even electrolytes as well, I'm sure that would have caused lots of habit with the digestion and the stomach and then effect slowed you down throughout yeah that's right and some people get desperate on the day but my plan was always that this is what i'm gonna eat and i know that that should do the trick and it did how much of a mental um was it was it much of a mental part or did you know that you know the banana and dates would definitely see you through or was there a point on the bike ride where you was like i feel in your head where you felt like you maybe needed a gel or was there any of that going on because i know the bike can be quite long and um quite of a mental side of it from um from people that i hear have done it so was there any of that playing on in your head or feeling like you needed sort of satiating foods and things like that no definitely no no need for satiation foods i I knew that it was going to be okay i took a little extra i did a practice and took 18 dates so one for every 10 kilometers and yep. then on race day for Ironman, I took 20. Just as I thought, it'd be nice to have a couple more if you feel like you want to eat more. But I actually ended up only having 13. So just, yeah, instead took a lot more water in because it was at race pace and instead, yeah, focused on that rather than didn't really feel the need to eat too much, actually. No, brilliant. And and throughout the training, what, what sort of things have you learned you can sort of take into your everyday life so whether that's you know mentally physically that you feel like you can now do and now achieve what sort of things can you add to your everyday life that you've learned throughout the training and even doing the Ironman itself yeah knowing what I did on that day helps me in everyday life now going forward so if I think and I'm too lazy to you know pick something up or move something think you know look what I did on that day (laughs) Why am I being like this now? I can do this. Well, I can take on another challenge, no worries, because of what I've done. Mm, for sure. And was there, again, I guess the Ironman training can be very, very tough. Like you spoke about, there might be some weeks where you don't have any rest days. Was it difficult in terms of uh, relationships? Did you find there was any relationships that maybe suffered because of it or were a little bit difficult or did everyone know you was doing the Ironman so it was almost like okay they know they're going to give you the space or my family's really good I didn't have a girlfriend when I was doing it so perhaps it may have been harder if yeah. that was the case but nah my family were good about it I did kind of keep it a little bit more hush hush so I wasn't going to go and talk about it saying you know I'm going to make do this time or that time I kind of I told some people but I, I would rather have done it and completed it well and then told them about it rather than tell them before and then perhaps not achieve the result that I wanted. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just sort of speak about your parents. What, when you decided to um, to start living a vegan lifestyle, what was, you know, their reaction? Um, has there been shifts sort of with their lifestyle and things that they eat now? Or, um, yeah, just sort of speak upon that as well. Yeah, Things back in the day when I decided to change, I don't initially remember their reactions, but they were all very supportive of what I decided to do. And clearly that it was evident I could live healthily like this. There was going to be no worries. Since then, which is over five or so years ago now, 
Mum is almost vegan. My brother is now vegetarian. Dad is having a lot more vegan days because he has a couple of health issues which would benefit by him changing. And my sister has also made some changes as well. She's tried it for a, a period of time. So yes, things have definitely changed. Um, even coming to grips with the thought that my parents had perhaps brought me up on the wrong food was something that challenged my thoughts on the subject. But the proof is in the way that I can live my life without having to contribute to unnecessary slaughter and use of animals. Mm. And I guess sort of the, uh, I know you do some activism work as well, but I mean, the, the almost like you say, the proof is in what you've done as well. So you're not just speaking about certain things and, and the health benefits. It's almost like you've gone out, done something which um, the best of people consider ridiculously difficult. And you can turn around and say, well, look, here you go. I've done this. It's almost a case for people to not use that as an excuse anymore. So that's exactly the motivation is that when they say that vegans are weak or protein deficient or whatever else then I can show my photo of me crossing the line at Ironman and say perhaps you should give it a try and see if you can even take this on before saying that <laughs> yeah well um what was your sort of I, I remember my is actually my brother messaged me um uh I had a, a couple of friends who were vegan for I'd say two three years beforehand and tried a few of their things but it was never any, anything that i ever sort of considered um at that stage i was eating fish i think for about a year um just fish um and then my brother messaged saying have i watched uh, what the health and i was yeah. like no i never heard of it on netflix and he was just like yeah give it give it a good watch and our girlfriend was away it was a friday night and i remember just watching it and i couldn't believe any to be fair it was it's one of those things it was it's difficult i haven't watched it since but um even initially i remember that friday night just saying right that's it like for me it was almost an instant well it was an instantaneous thing i you know the next day i had uh football um had milk in the fridge as usual so i had to go to the shop went and got you know uh, like rice milk and stuff and yeah that was for me right from that friday night after i watched that it was like right i made that conscious choice not to what was the yeah, what was your process and, and the things you went through? Was there a time period where you maybe dipped in and out or, or was it sort of a straight process? It's. I got a little bit curious on the internet. I watched a video on YouTube called This Six Minute Video Will Make You Speechless. And that initially made me want to blame humans for what we did to animals. But then I soon realized that I had to make a change myself. Otherwise, I would look at myself as a hypocrite because I always considered myself an animal lover, always loved dogs and other pets, but never considered that I could show the same love to cows, pigs, chickens. And then the time came where I thought, all right, I'm going to... I had skeptics at work saying, you're going to be unhealthy and this, that and the other thing. But all the, you know, I consider myself a logical person and it looked like the logical next step. And then from there, I just got into a bit more research, looked at a few more things, realized that there are people living healthy vegan lifestyles and then thought there's no reason for me to contribute and keep paying to keep these animals exploited and murdered. And yeah, the, the logical next step was to become vegan. Um, so that took place in about the end of October, becoming vegetarian. And then June next, the following year, I the last thing that I had 
for a few months was honey. I used to buy these bars that had 1% honey in it. But then, yeah, around that time stopped uh, the cheese, and then that was the, the last of the main thing. And then from then on, just got more into more into it and started realizing that these products that I once consumed were not good for us as humans. Mm. And I, I find that I find it really interesting as well how every, everyone's uh, sort of story is completely different. I mean, mine was like I said, overnight, instantaneously. And mine was very much. I remember texting my friend who was vegan for two and a half, three years. You know, asking for some recipes because I made the conscious choice. And then on the Saturday, I was like. I don't know where to go. I didn't know, you know, even though YouTube and everything was around, it was a case of, oh, crap. I, you know, I thought I was going to starve to death, that type of thing, because that was the sort of fear that was placed on you. So for me, it was like, oh, Jesus, where do I start? And I remember texting him saying, look, I'm, you know, I'm going to go vegan. Um, no meat, no cheese, no dairy, nothing. Um, but I also remember texting him saying, you know i haven't done it for the animals and doing it for health reasons and that was quite strange because i remember looking back like a couple of months later and everything sort of shifted like it even though i watched the documentary and everything was you know it, it sort of hit me on that conscious level it was almost a case of uh, i sort of saw the health benefits sort of outweigh uh again it, the animal cruelty and for me now it's sort of a weird thing to look at you know that text message and say like i didn't care because obviously there was something that did care um, because I would have just dipped in and out and it, that, that conscious choice came, I think, even further in a couple of months later. And it, for me, it was that initial stage. I mean, I don't know if you had it, but, you know, where you go on a defensive and you and I was just like, well, you know, how you don't need to kill these people. For me, it was a, it was a frustration thing as well because I was like, people were living without killing animals. In the first couple of months like that, I mean, Again, I don't know if you went through that process. Was there anything where you, you know, you felt like you had to uh, not necessarily stick up for yourself, but sort of almost defend your corner or, or say, look, this is why I've chosen to do this. Da, da, da. But then you felt that you was getting very uh, uh, defensive, I guess, towards your choice as well. Yeah, without a doubt, I definitely find myself, even in situations to this day, with family events and the like, defending my position and you know saying that I'm living this way it's five years now you're going to take me seriously yeah. but certainly initially it was definitely the case where you um, go through a period where you're I guess mad at everyone else or mad at the world for just continuing to be ignorant and have their head in the sand basically but I mean I was guilty of that and it's something that having the internet around these days the information is out there it's just whether or not we choose to see it or not Mm. And, and and where do you stand because for me now and, and and nearly two and a half years i'm i'm very comfortable um obviously my position and feeling if i need to sort of defend myself and i'll do it and i'll, I'll try to hopefully do it in a bit more of an articulate way um whether that then turns into frustration if there's you know five or six people sort of chiming in it's just me um that might differ um but I feel as more I'm a bit more comfortable now and, and I'm not so um, I don't try and and push on certain things I accept that if that if someone's not necessarily ready because for me as well knowing um, sort of reflecting on myself uh, 24 years old I you know I was still eating fish and meat so for me I sort of come from that point of view where look this person that I'm speaking to maybe it's not the best way to try and for something that I know is good for me onto them. It's more a case of coming from, you know, a nice point of view and saying, look, I can do this within my sport that I do at the moment. I can recover 
well, I feel like I've recovered so much quicker from living this lifestyle and, and going that way and knowing that they might necessarily not be ready. But if they're if, if I'm coming from a much more calmer, relaxed stance, that it might sort of hit them in, on some small level. And then that, that maybe might make a spark. What's it like for you? Because I know obviously you do some activism work. So how do you find, you know, the tinkering process when you're speaking to people as well? It's a challenging thing and it's something you have to adapt to you know, depending on how the person responds to you. Certainly there's times that you might just be being simple with them. It's all in the approach for sure and I don't think every single approach ever works well for this, that or the other person. It all depends really. In activism situations, we hold uh, TVs up with what happens in slaughterhouses and if people want to interact and learn more about it then we'll talk with it to them but there's other situations say for Ironman the way of me advocating for the animals is just having a vegan logo all over my tri suit and that was something that people will see I, I don't necessarily talk to them but there's so many different avenues in, in which the message can be interpreted or just even go hey there's another person walking through the airport with a vegan sign or a vegan t-shirt on and it just might inspire the conversation. So it all depends on the situation. But mm. certainly interactions are getting better and better because of yeah, you, a nice calm approach and just going down the kind of educational way rather than lecturing somebody on the subject. Mm, for sure. Did you find on the Ironman, obviously when you was wearing your vegan jersey, did you find that you was getting um, even some people asking questions as you were going around, even if you are on the run or the bike? You know, did you do you have any conversations as you was going through the actual event with anyone or? No conversations as such. You want to conserve the energy to the max. So, yeah. You know, if I could say thanks or cheers to somebody for saying go vegan or whatever, and, and that happened a lot, which is awesome. The run is a three lap run course, so you encounter a lot of the same people, and I think that I definitely got singled out because my tricep was unique in the. Had vegan all over it, whereas other people just wore generic plain tricep so I think that the interactions that I receive were perhaps more than other people and you get the odd kind of very surprised response when they go oh vegan or vegan you know they say it finally or whatever that's cool you know that just means that they're very surprised to see someone who's running along on the way to completing Ironman yeah do you still um do you still get uh, the odd things, you know, if you go to uh, barbecues or, or parties where they're hosting either, you know, and they have food and stuff there, do you still get the odd person that knows that you're probably or knows that you vegan but doesn't necessarily cater or doesn't, you know, straight away they're like, oh, no, we f actually, let me go and fix you something. And that maybe that comes out, you know, with uh, something that's just a you know, tomato salad or just you know, just a bowl of salad and goes, here you go, or do you get, like, the odd jokes and stuff still thrown at you, like, oh, here you go, here's a bit of lettuce and stuff like that, or how does that work? Is everyone more accustomed to that now, like, friends-wise that aren't vegan, or do you still get a lot of that? Um, or, you know, questions like, would you eat meat if, you you know, if there was this or someone else life's at stake? Do you get those type of questions and that still, or is it a bit more, you know, relaxed? Yeah, I, I know you've been five years. I wouldn't say questions, but more so just jokes and yeah, people yeah. being silly. Perhaps it's them being uncomfortable with actually having a serious conversation about it. But I don't take crap from people in, in the subject because the thing is animals have got it far worse than us. And if it's just me and a person having a conversation about it, then 
nothing really bad is going to happen to either of us. But, you know, whereas they can continue to contribute to what animals have to suffer for. And, you know, if I can speak up for them and say what needs to be said in this manner, then I'll definitely do it. Yeah, for sure. And um, obviously speaking on that in terms of um, the animals as well, but just your your own health sake, how have you found um, the process the last, you know, four or five years, um, six years? Um, and also, is there... Has there been any things that you, you feel like you've um, gained or that's, that's heightened, whether that is, um, again, just your care for beings, animals, um, people in general? Is there things that you've completely, you know, your way of thinking that have switched since um, your lifestyle's changed? Definitely, definitely. Appreciation for food and even just having a meal is great because I've been to some places in the world where people don't even receive that. So certainly having a, a lot more appreciation for just even what we consume on a day-to-day -day basis and just looking at the world more so as a whole and, you know, just trying to live gently with my lifestyle as well as, yeah, adopting, you know, certain things from being vegan but then also looking at the world and, you know, perhaps it's riding a bike more or perhaps it's just being uh, a lot kind of, more aware of what's going on in, in certain things. Mm. And yeah, life has gotten better in that situation. Um, certainly for my health, I never had it, I was never really overweight, but my weight has been very steady and I've tracked it on my YouTube channel for anyone to see. And you know, you can just see that it's a nice, it keeps you at a nice lean weight provided you're not eating too much vegan junk food and there's many benefits to it for sure. Yeah. Did you did you initially get that um, when you started off? Obviously, um, on a vegan lifestyle, people saying to you, "Oh, you know, you look very skinny," or "Oh, your face is very thin." Did you get those types of comments? I mean, I still get them, um, and yeah, I, I find it hilarious. You know, when you're you know you're looking at the people that's giving you the comments, and I, obviously you you're like, "Look, come on, you know exactly what I do. You know that you know I'm fit and I can get around and." Uh, you know, I'm never ill, I don't go to the hospital, I don't go to the doctors, come on, like, I don't know, what's that like with you? I, I tend to laugh those off, but I don't know if you still get those types of comments from, you know, fat, distant family members that you may see once a year or something like that. Yes, yeah, some comments, even from strangers saying you're too skinny or whatever, but if you want to go and try and run a marathon or do an Ironman, then you don't want to be carrying any excess weight, and mm. I think that's how humans would have looked back in the day if we weren't around all these places that sell junk food and animal foods and stuff like that, then I think the majority would be skinny and lean because it feels good to live that way. And yeah, why carry any excess weight if you don't need to? Mm. And I think that's it, it's such a strange one because I think as well, especially uh, living a vegan lifestyle, for me um, especially, that I, I'd say a good... I used to prep food when I'd play football, but that was about it. Um, a lot, I'd say... 80-90% of the time probably my girlfriend will cook food and I'll probably cook you know one, once a week and things like that whereas I think it's completely reversed now and I do probably I say 80-85% of the cooking a week I love to prep my food I love to cook but it's having that connection for me anyway um, with the food that I'm eating the meals that I'm creating and making even for others um, whereas I think a lot of people lose that connection and tend to go with 
again like just the local shops grab a sandwich uh grab a bag of crisps then grab a chocolate bar then a milkshake you lose i think you're losing a lot of that connection with the food and with everything that's provided for you whereas i think it's difficult at times for people to understand and sometimes i think that's why they go on a defensive with oh you know you're looking skinny or you know uh you know the vegan lifestyle you sure you know i've heard a lot of things it sounds a little bit dangerous and for me it's it's not just um necessarily what you're putting into your mouth for me it's all about the connection with the food that you're having where it's coming from the types of food is it organic are you um washing your food before you eat are you saving food so for me for instance if i have a banana i use banana so many different ways obviously yeah raw um put it in some pancakes uh but also i used it in a pill i don't know if you've done this um and i, I you make uh, you can make meatballs from the inner peel of the banana you scoop it out um, yeah. yeah so you can use like five six bananas scoop the inner peel out um and then mash them up with some like flax seeds a bit of onions um yeah, a little bit of uh, non-dairy milk, and you can make some meatballs. Um, and funnily enough, I made them for my girlfriend's parents. Didn't tell them. Uh, I made them for my girlfriend first. She approved. Um, and then I told her what was in them. She couldn't believe it. And then we made them for her parents and a friend, uh, my friend, and we was all sitting around a dinner table. And they were like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is nice. And then when you tell them what it is, then they go, like, obviously, they finished the dinner. They were like, oh, like, oh, I didn't realize it. You know, it's banana peel and stuff like that. So I think we're losing that connection with uh, trying to make the most out of the food that we have as well. Um, and I think that's what I like and I enjoy. And I think the more I think people would, would get that as well. I think there would definitely be in terms of obviously like yeah, obesity and things like that, but in just in general health as well. And I think a lot more people would then tend to go to having foods that are fresher um, or fruits as well. I think we are losing that connection going straight to fast foods or straight to foods that are quick and handy and, and that are not giving us any real benefit. And obviously aside of not, not doing too many things that are good for us in terms of our health, getting out exercising or just going for daily walks in the fresh air. Um, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I find helps me as well. And I, I notice it, especially if I'm, uh, you know, going out for a birthday meal or things like that and they've got one vegan option and it's a salad or something and it, there's no flavor, there's no real uh, density in the salad. It's, you know, the token option, so it looks good on the menu. Um, I find I struggle with that. And then the next day, you know, if I've had training, so yeah i don't know i don't know what's your take on um your connection with you know making foods and and foods themselves being um a source with pretty much 90 percent of the stuff you can use i think that people would definitely benefit by being a bit more involved in where their food came from certainly in terms of animal products and stuff like that that there's a reason that you can't go for a tour at a slaughterhouse because no one would want to see it in their right mind what goes on Whereas if you went to the fruit and veggie store and picked up what you wanted to buy and eat, then that is so much better because you could just get it from an orchard or a garden or a local garden or something like that. And then knowing what has come of it or you know, what is not in it in terms of chemicals and preservatives and all these other things that people just don't really look at when they buy stuff at the supermarket. But if you were to know what it does to human health, then there should be a, a whole lot more want in wanting to change how food is produced, mm. <laughs> whether that be in your own garden or, like you said, organic. And, you know, there's all these things that we can work towards 
and try and better basically to uh, overachieve, achieve better human health. For the yeah, majority. for sure. And just uh, just talk about yourself. I saw your YouTube videos, and uh, is it two weeks raw now? You've gone two weeks raw entirely. Yeah, day fifteen today. Day 15. Apparently, it's one of the you know the optimum diet for humans. So I'm making it uh, evident that it's possible and logging the journey too. So all I've eaten is fruit for 15 days. I had one well, one tomato juice and a couple of coconuts. But yeah, I've been living and thriving off mangoes, durian, mangosteen, bananas, watermelon, just amazing tropical fruit. And it's good. It's good. Mm. Is that something you you think that you can only do in certain, not only do, but do to um, its maximum in places like Thailand where the fruit is maybe um, at its ripest and freshest? Or do you feel, is that something that you could take back home and, and do? Yeah, I could do it at home. Certainly it's easier in the tropics, but it's also for me about being social and to try and have dinners with people and perhaps open more people's mind to becoming vegan or even eating plant-based than eating a cooked dinner and eating uh, you know, the same meal as them at dinner is important for me. So for me, it's just a bit of an experiment to see how I feel and you know, can it be done. Whereas when I go home, I'll still eat mostly fruit, but then have cooked dinners and it mm. works. It's a nice balance. Uh, and how have you found that in Thailand? Because um, we, uh, my girlfriend and I went to Koh Samui, I think, four or five years ago. Um, and, we, and we spoke about going back to Thailand at some point. And she's like, oh, but you're going to find it so difficult, um, you know, being vegan there. Like, again, there's obviously the construct of, you know, there's only vegan food shops in certain places. Have you found it? Obviously, I know that you're eating raw, so it's easy in terms of fruit. But have you seen, heard of many um, vegan restaurants around, places to eat? Um, welcoming places in Thailand where you've stayed so far or? Yeah, this place is great here where I am. I'm on Kopangan and there are vegan places here and there's yeah other cities in Thailand which are just fantastic for vegan food. I think having a destination where you know that there's going to be great vegan food is a draw card but mm. even just being a little bit flexible and you know perhaps saying um, you might get it might be a little bit more of a challenge but it, it's fine you know you're going to have options and yeah. no about that. I have the, uh, to be fair, I have the Happy Cow app on my phone, so that's worldwide. So you just type in where you're staying and it comes up with vegetarian, vegan places or vegan options. So I'm always good to go. So, yeah, there's no worries with me on that front. Um, yeah, so just sort of touch on, on, on sort of what you're doing in Thailand and, and why you decided to go from, you know, New Zealand to Thailand for a few months. I'm currently doing a plant-based nutrition course, which is from a doctor based in Hawaii, and it's teaching a lot of the natural hygiene principles. So perhaps um, it might be a, a relatively new subject for most people, but understanding why humans get disease and diet has a massive part to play in it. Um, by being here as well, um, I get to eat and live perhaps more of a, a natural life and experience that and demonstrate that you know we can take a lot of these principles from how I'm living here to help people with disease and you know changing their lifestyle habits for the better at home. Mm. And and how will that look like when you go back home? We we obviously look to then be fully qualified and go straight into that field. And um, will you link that with sport, or is that just straight from from nutrition as well? 
I wanted to do Iron Man to have a kind of story. Uh, mm. I know some friends that do a, a similar course, well, the same course, and they they kind of do a specific part of um, digestion, whereas I needed a story and I needed to say, all right, I've done Iron Man this way, you can live really well, and it, I'm proof that it is possible. So, yeah, having a few events like that just kind of, reaffirm someone's choice and perhaps listening to you about a certain subject mm, for sure well uh will dates be on your your first agenda do you think when you're talking about the nutrition with clients with your dates i know they're a powerhouse i love them i love dates so uh i think my favorite snack is dates with a uh, homemade cashew butter just three of them yeah. perfect perfect but um yeah um just also, sort of before we go, um, if someone's listening into this and they're um, they're, they're sort of unsure, they're on the they're sort of on the barrier. Maybe um, friends, family might be the one sort of pulling them back in and sort of being like, oh, they might have said, you know, I'm thinking about even if it's a month of doing, you know, plant based or whatever. You know, you might get that, you know, pull back from friends, family. Going, oh, are you sure? Not I don't. I've heard some bad things. Seen it in the newspapers. Bad. Whatever. Whatever. And then, for whatever reason, there's a little bit of their consciousness that might be going over, or or in their relationship, and their partner may be, you know, plant-based or vegan, and and there's no pressure there. But they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. What would you say? A sort of the the ways to start, um, whether that be uh, either research, food-wise, um, personally, um, and also sort of if you start, sort of what are the next steps if you want to sort of take it further. There's a challenge, which hopefully we can link in some way. Challenge 22 is something they yeah. say is really good in getting a bit of support, getting a mentor to help you, and they say it takes three weeks to make a habit. So you, you can try it. You've got nothing to lose. You've only got things to gain in most people's case. So there's definitely just uh, just go for it. You know, you've mm. done it. I try and tell people that if you look at your, t your life on a timeline, it's one of the longest things that we know, and if you're just to try it for even a month, it's such a small period of your life, and you're really not going to lose anything by trying it, so no. it's definitely worth giving a go. For sure. Um, is there, was there any, uh, obviously yourself, and I'll, I'll link your channel as well um, in the description of the podcast, is there any people that you sort of um, would recommend uh, looking to and sort of even it's listened to like podcast wise or uh, um, bloggers or people that are athletes as well is there any people that you'd recommend yes certainly as you mentioned Rich Roll he's very inspirational he's done five Ironmans in the space of a week which is just mind blowing mm. <laughs> so if you need a motivation then he's definitely a source of it but as far as making the connection I think that you really have to understand and look at it from the animal's perspective because if you look at it from a health perspective you can kind of go in and out as you mentioned whereas if you instead look at how the animals get treated and what happens to them then perhaps you can just show a bit more compassion towards them and make a more compassionate food choice day to day mm. because it's something that we make the choice three three times a day and it can have a massive impact on so many things and would you say um if someone's again thinking about it and they say oh well you know i've gone to my doctor and they've said um and i've said to my doctor i'd like to you know start a plant-based lifestyle i'd like to you know 
do a month's challenge or things like that and and my doctor said well you're going to need this amount of uh supplements to take you know if you're going to be on a vegan lifestyle you need x amount of supplements so you're not necessarily naturally natural um even though you know a lot of vegans tend to say oh you're natural what would you say to to those comments that you're starting to hear that a lot from people now saying oh well we live a completely unnatural life now Mm. And that's something, you know, if you want to be completely natural, then we have to change so many things. It's not just in regards to food. But certainly there's always going to be doubters, whether that's a doctor or a naturopath or whoever. There's always going to be people that say you can't do it. But by doing so, you're defying what they say is possible. And there's so many of, there are so many of us out there now. It's, it's clear that you can live and thrive this way. Hmm. And, then, and like you spoke about, you only take B12. Similar to me, I take B12. And, and uh, I actually take uh, D3 as well um, in the winter months. Um, and I think there's a lot of people as well, especially in England, that um, are struggling with D3 deficiency. So, And that's something I take anyway, just as a barrier in the winter months. Um, but that's literally it. Um, you know, for me, I, you know, if I get a headache or I get a migraine, I don't take any tablets you know paracetamol anodine anything like that whereas i think if you know the people are coming from that standpoint of well you take b12 it's not you know i don't want to be taking supplements and you know well you can take paracetamol all day long if you get a headache or you get a toothache or whatever i don't tend to need to take those things or so yeah it's coming from from that standpoint as well i think um just one last thing as well i saw on your video which i found quite interesting um, it's something that I've uh, sort of dipped in and out of, I guess I could say, um, but very much interested in things that are very, very low in, in, in chemicals. And my girlfriend a testament to that. So things like uh, shower gels and things. Um, I saw in one of your videos that you uh, don't use any natural, I guess, natural deodorants, um, shower gels, shampoos, things like that. Is that still correct? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We don't need them. If you're eating a nice, clean diet, then you're not going to smell bad. And so many of the things, like shampoos and stuff, have palm oil in it. If you don't know what palm oil is or what it does to the forests in Indonesia and stuff like that, then Mm -hmm. please, you know, I encourage people to do some more research on the subject. But, yeah, if you're eating a nice, clean diet, then you don't need to buy all these things. And certainly sprays and deodorants have all sorts of chemicals which are not good for human health. Mm. much to you know, the the companies that sell them will tell you they're safe all day long and perhaps you know i might sound like a skeptic but you know human health is only getting worse and worse and so much there's so much toxic stuff in and around us all the time so if you can limit all that kind of stuff then you're going to be healthier yeah would you would you say from from that point um Speaking of that, I'm I'm very much like the same um, sort of face creams and stuff. I sort of make my own, um, very, very bare minimal ingredients, Um, lip balms, things like that. Again, um, using uh, coconut oils. Um, So um, would you say that is more of, um, from your side of things, obviously with the palm oil, again, um, linking that to vegan, but would you say that's just more of um, sort of your awareness and knowledge of, once you've then found things that aren't necessarily healthy, then you've sort of dug deeper as opposed to that just being you know, associated with you being vegan. Does that make sense? Yeah, with, yeah, definitely. I you know, like to think that I'm a lot more open-minded now, having 
chosen this lifestyle and if that means researching where where or how something is made then I'll, I'll do so to kind of broaden my knowledge of what goes on in life yeah for sure and um what's next for you next up is an ultra marathon so it's taking place Brilliant. in february next year and that's going to be a hundred just over a hundred k run with three thousand meters of climbing nice and where is that back in new zealand back in new zealand yeah Jeez. So, um, have you got a schedule um, when you're going to start training? How long for? And do you, I guess, do you have to manage that a bit more with the ultra marathon? Because obviously you're you're doing an elevation climb as well and the distance. How how are you going to find that you have to manage that in terms of training load? I spoke to someone who has done both an Ironman and a shorter distance ultra, and he said the ultra was harder because it's just relentless. You're on your feet the whole time. So that kind of struck a bit of fear into me, but I'm up for the challenge. And in regards to training, I've commenced it already. I'm training at the moment. I'm going to just start building the run volume per week and then start increasing more intervals, more hill reps and things like that. It's going to be good. Brilliant. And again, is that going to be another thing that you're, you, you're going to promote? Um, obviously, veganism throughout? Oh, absolutely. I intend to have it on whatever clothing or anything that I'm wearing on the day and yeah, potentially going to get a vegan tattoo shortly. It would be for the animals, the reason that I made the change. And yeah, you know, if people want to talk about it, then I'll definitely encourage the subject and answer any questions that they may have. Brilliant. And um, the, the tattoo, is that going to be uh, like a bamboo tattoo where they do the shoots or will that just be normal um, sort of needle? I don't think so with the bamboo, but we'll no, see. I was going to say that would be uh, a bit painful, depending on the size and the area you get the tattoo. That's going to be uh, very painful, I guess. Yeah. But I appreciate, um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, and yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can stay in touch and and um, yeah, get the challenge twenty two. Is that right? Um, yeah, there's other ones. Uh, I can give you the link to another one. There's a New Zealand version too, if people want to check that one out. Brilliant. And if people um, want to come and find you, I'll link your channel, but your uh, social medias are? Just Kiwi underscore Bigfoot on Instagram and, yeah, on YouTube as well, Kiwi Bigfoot. Brilliant. Appreciate it coming on, Josh. Thank you very awesome. much. Thanks for, the for having chat. me. Thanks for no worries. Thanks for listening in to the podcast, guys. Hopefully you've taken something there from Josh, whatever your stance on um, things are. Hopefully that doesn't blind you from um, taking some good positive messages from from someone who's completed something that's very very difficult in life to achieve so um yeah anything that you've got on the horizon or that you've wanted to do um go out and get it um put some training in and yeah um be obsessed reap the rewards have fun know there's going to be some setbacks along the way um but understand that's part of it yeah enjoy until next time peace